All right. Can someone, um, let's just talk for just a second, a few people if you'd like, um, just where you've seen God at work this week in your life and around you. What's, uh, what's been something that, that the kingdom of heaven has caught your attention? Let's phrase it like that. Uh, the voidments. Yes? Yeah. In what way? Just besides being around them all the time. Just um, Makes you think about the kingdom, I guess. We got to hang out with them last night, so nice. it's uh, just wonderful. They, they are wonderful. They're just very loving people. Indeed. Are you, is, is anyone else excited about the sheep Boitman that's coming? Anyone? I'm pretty pumped about it. Pretty pumped about it. Are you? Are you glad that it's going <laughs> to <laughs> Reasonable. Right? Right over there? <laughs> oh, no, I would agree. I would agree the Boitmans are pretty uh, kingdom-giving folks. What else? Where else have you seen God at work this week around you? Has the kingdom caught your attention? Go ahead. Even though John just it's all right. Um, seeing people's responses to the president's response about certain countries, mm-hmm. seeing people's response to that was really encouraging to me. Good. Like having people be like, "That's not okay." No matter your political party, you know, not okay. We're all like children of God. Wonderful. Isaiah, he says, "Don't forget your own flesh." Speaking that same way. You're, you're kind of this one with me idea. So if you forget that you're one with people around you, then that's to your detriment. See, I agree. I agree. Anything else? Um, I, like many or most others, have been sick um, lately. I'm feeling better today, don't worry. I'm not contagious. Um, but um, I... So been hard to be at work and so and lots of people at work have been sick but and I sometimes struggle with my job and what I'm doing with that but um, I work with really good people I've just been reminded of that as I've been sick just over the past couple of weeks and everyone has been sick and we've just tried to cover for each other and just really good and kind people that you know at the end of the day care much more about you know each other and our well-being than just you know good. what we do, and so that's just been a really good um, reminder. Good, um, yeah. cool. I'm glad. I'm glad. I had a similar thing this past week. We have a this really stressful job we're working on, and uh, one of the other project managers that's that's that we're like throwing everyone to it right now because we're trying to get it finished. So like everyone kind of is working on it now, and one of the project managers just in a we're we're texting each other this craziness about like, okay, the schedule and this and what's happening and this person and in our, in, in construction, there's not a lot of people that are like overly, uh, spiritual about anything really. It's not, not kind of talk usually happens. Sometimes it's the opposite of that, but and occasionally, but we were, we we're talking and we're going back and forth and I'm, I'm feeling my anxiety ramp up. And I'm just like, Oh, this is making me so stressed out. And he was like, also too, I want to let you know, I'm praying that this meeting goes really well for you. I was like, well, good. Thank you. <laughs> I will too now. I needed you to remind me that that is a part of my life, unfortunately. 
Pastor Austin is worst pastor ever again, right now. That is how that's going. And I was like, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And so I was like, my boss called later. And I was like, also, I have to tell you, Patrick just made my day, reminded me. He's a, my boss is a Christian guy. So I was telling him, and he's like, man, I'm so glad we work with who we work with that would encourage, that would, in our field, to throw in our normal life and say, oh, hey, I'm praying for that because it's going to be really frustrating two hours for you in like 30 minutes. So I'm rooting for you, praying for you. That was just, it was good. It was good for me to, to have that. And it was a good reminder that the kingdom of heaven is definitely at hand and not just through me, you know, at work. And we can kind of forget that. I think we feel like we are the, the kingdom givers at work. But then also when someone shares it with us, it's this, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not the only one here. I'm not like the lone representative of, of Jesus in this place. It was good. It was nice. One more. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. We had um, to mail this package back, and the, the box was really damaged, and mm. we didn't have enough packing tape, so we used duct tape. Mm. And it was this monster package, and I got it to FedEx, and the lady said to me, well, we can't take a package with duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> this is the day before we're leaving to fly down here. And I just looked at her pathetically, and I thought, oh my gosh. And she said to me, she turned to me, and she said, I'm going to fix this for you. I'm going to take off the duct tape and replace it with packing tape. That's and, and I thought, she's an angel. I mean, God just right. put her right here. <laughs> well, even, I mean, just to someone to say, to verbalize, I will fix this for you, yeah. is a different thing. She could just be like, I've got it, and taking it from you, right? And you still would have been like, oh, thank you. But for someone to say, I'm going to fix this for you, yeah. is a big deal. And I came home and said, Mark, I didn't know they hired these people. <laughs> That's awesome. I think, I, think, I think her antagonist throws us boxes to our porch. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Again, this idea of I will fix this for you is beautiful. So let's, let's turn to Acts 8. Um, and we're going to be in Acts 8 for a few weeks. Next week, uh, Brian is going to teach. Right, still? Yeah. Good. Brian's going to teach next week. I know. That's what concerned me. I was like, please say yes. So, Brian will teach next week, um, but we'll, we'll go through, we, we were in one through three last week, and then we're going to go from there. Um, it's going to talk about Philip. Uh, before we get into that, though, does anyone know who Philip is? We don't know much about him, but we know one kind of thing about him. What do we know about him? Before now, what do we know? Anyone? You might, you might have to look up. A few verses above to know about him. Is he from Bethsaida? Is he what? Is he from Bethsaida? Could be. I'm not really sure. It maybe says he is. I don't know that part. Maybe if you were to look up at the end of chapter 6, you would know. At the beginning of chapter 6. Anyone? Was he one of the, the seven that... Boom! Yes. Yes. So who is, who, describe this. So there's, what's the problem and then what was their solution? So there were these Greek uh, widows that yes. weren't being taken care of. Yes. And so, um, and they weren't like getting enough food or help or whatever it was. And so they brought this to the elders and they said, okay, we'll just appoint people. And they picked seven people. Stephen was one of them. Yep. Which what happens to Stephen? Yes, he was just stoned to death and killed. And then Philip is one of the others. 
So, we're about to talk about someone for a chapter here that's history with the church is wrapped up in, he's not an apostle. We don't know if he was with Jesus or not. I don't, I don't think it says anywhere. I kind of looked through before this morning and I, I didn't see anywhere in the Gospels where it talks about him, right? He's not one of these leaders in the beginning, right? He's brought in and asked to lead and to, to lead in what way though? By serving these widows. That's his job. His, his job, his appointment with the church is to serve these widows and to help other people learn how to serve these Greek widows, these outcast widows that have no one taking care of them, right? That's his role. And we're about to talk about him for a while. And I want us to know that because I think a lot of times we can look at this early church and we can get into stories with Peter where like he's walking and a shadow falls on people and they're healed. And it's easy for us to be like, whew, man, we're not like that. That's different than us. We're not... We're not Peter. We didn't see Jesus transfigured. You know, we didn't hear God say, this is my son whom I will please listen to him kind of deal. We didn't walk on water with Jesus for a bit. So whew, that's not us. That's crazy <laughs> that he did that. Right. That was a long time ago. Or we hear we hear other stories that we're going to get into later with Paul, who again sees Jesus on the Damascus Road, has scales on his eyes. They come out. It's a wild story. It's been like four weeks or something. So we get into the Paul doing these miraculous things and being this amazing apostle after Jesus' death, which is interesting too. And we say, whew, man, those are crazy things. But Paul's Paul, you know. He's amazing. It's just different level, right? This is Philip. This is us. This is someone who loved well and God chose for a specific task of loving widows and organizing people to make sure they have food. They have someone coming to check on them, that they have justice in their life, that the systematic oppression of the day wasn't crushing them under its feet. This is this person. It's just, it's just a guy. Just someone at the church that, yes, God was with and the Holy Spirit was within, but so are we. So are we. And so when we read these stories about Philip, I, I really want it, I want us I explain that for two reasons. Because the power of God in a normal person is incredible. And then also, so the power of God in us, very normal people, can be incredible. Okay? So let's read together. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And why were they scattered again? Because Saul was pulling them out and taking them to jail. Yeah, pulling them out of their homes. Because of Stephen, stoning Stephen. Yes. After they stoned Stephen, they were kind of, um, they, what's it called? They were... Confident in their oppression. They became um, emboldened in their oppression. Started pulling people out of homes and sending them to prison. Um, coming and separating families. Doing that. So everyone scatters and leaves. There are a lot of people scatter and leave. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they had heard him and they saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in the city. I like that last sentence. So there was much joy in the city. Probably. (laughs) If people are being healed from being paralyzed and demons are coming out of people and all these things are happening, they're they're probably glad. The city was probably happy about this situation. But what's the what are what are some things about Samaria? What what else do we hear about Samaria before this? So he goes to Samaria. Why is that a big deal? Because they're like enemies, right? Right. Why are they enemies? Right. 
Sunday night and married Syrians or other people and didn't do things the way that the temple wanted them to do it. Right. And chose against their people in a lot of ways. Yes. Did, did, were Samaritans clean to the Jews? No. There's, there's stories in other writings of that time that Samaria was on this, um, not overly famous or popular road, but it was a very essential road to get other places from Jerusalem or from Judea, wherever else. And so, but people, the Jews hated them so badly and disliked them so much, and there was so much enmity between them, they would walk around the city and endanger like their family in travel to like not travel the road because it would go through this unclean city. They, they really, really despised them. Okay. And when Jesus went, what happened? Jesus went to Samaria, what happens? And the woman at the well. Right. What did the disciples do when they saw Jesus talking to the woman at the well? Scolded him. Right. What did they say? Do you remember? They're like, Jesus, don't you know? Don't they say, don't you know she's a Samarian or something like that? I want to say that's how that went down. Like, yes, he probably did. <laughs> Pretty smart, that Jesus, you know? But they scold him. They're like, you're not supposed to do that, which I love. Jesus, the, the giver of the kingdom, has these disciples that are like, now Jesus, bad choice, giving the kingdom to this lady. She's not the one. Don't give it to her. Right? She's had four husbands. Don't give her the kingdom. What else happens? There's another story when Jesus is going through Samaria and he teaches. Do they always accept him there? No. Right? They reject Jesus. And then what do his disciples say? I tell the story all the time, so I think it's hilarious. The disciples say, Right, let's, let's, you want me to pray and call down fire from heaven on them? <laughs> Jesus should have been like, go ahead, yes, try, let's see how that goes. <laughs> John, <laughs> go for it, <laughs> yes, please do that for me. No, you can't, you, no, you can't do that. And he explains, uh, no, please don't do that. That's not what we're here to do. They rejected me this time. We have love for them. Yeah, yeah, right, they go into this story. So the Sumerians, even in Jesus, and his ushering of the kingdom, is a, difficult, is a difficult journey. They haven't always accepted Jesus. So when Philip comes, and Philip begins to teach, they all listen with one accord. Is that what it says? What's it say here? And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there's much joy in the city. And, and this, again, is being written here, and it's, it's going to continue this way, directly paralleling with stories of Jesus that didn't quite go so splendid. And this is, I think, why. And this is more of a, certain people think this, but it's not like across the board kind of the idea. You remember when Jesus is about to be crucified, right? And he's praying for everyone that they would be in one accord and they would do wonderful things. And then when, he's, when he raises from the dead and he's about to be uh, he's about to ascend into heaven. What does he tell them they will do? Once the Holy Spirit comes, what will they do? Does we'll anyone remember? To like, uh, yes, you'll go to Judea. Jerusalem. You'll go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then in what way will they do miraculous things? Do you know? Greater things? Yes. They will do greater things. He says, you will do greater things than me when I was present here with people. 
I'm sure when he tells them this, it's laughable to them, right? Like, okay, Jesus, are you sure? You really raised dead people. You healed the sick. You spoke, and people that shouldn't have listened, listened. You called a cheater and a fraud and a treacherous whatever name you want to put in there out of a tree, and then he repaid everyone sevenfold. We don't have the power to convince people to do that. You went to Samaria, and you picked this one woman that was the most unclean out of any person to pick. You picked her, talked to her, and then you weren't even really accepted by the town on your way to the cross. We're going to do greater things than you? And the Holy Spirit, through his normal people, began to do amazing, wonderful things as they go. As they're being dispersed and chased to be imprisoned and killed, we start to see the kingdom of heaven take root in places like Samaria. We see, and we're about to see another, so let's just keep reading. Yeah. But there was a man named Simon, who was previously who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him for a long time. He had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing the signs and great miracles that was performed, he was amazed. So we have this very interesting turn in the story. It talks about this this one kind of sorcerer, right? A magician. And so I love that it's like the, the, our English doesn't know how to translate. Like he practiced magic, right? Other translations are like he was a sorcerer. Yeah. I'm surprised none of them are like, he was a wizard, you know, or whatever. Like, they don't know what to call him because what he does is crazy. They're like, because apparently he really does do amazing things. He's not like an illusionist, I guess, or whatever. He really must have some strange power to do magic. And so all these translations of the Bible are like, yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to call him. The word is weird, you know. He's a magic guy somehow, right? So magician Simon here is practicing magic. And, and this word is, is important that they call him. And I want to go back to it. It says, he was saying that he himself was somebody great. And they paid attention to him from the least of the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Okay, so that word they're saying great is tricky because it's, it's not quite a, a proper noun, it's close, but it's referring to, and we'll find it later in, this, in Acts when, when Paul goes and teaches in different temples. The different gods that the Greeks would have and that, that other religions would, would worship, if you went to that temple, you might say, great is Artemis, or great is you know, Aphrodite, or you would say great is Zeus. It's not holy necessarily, and it's not saying God, it's just saying greater than someone being special. It's not that they were saying, oh, he's a really good guy. They're saying he has some godlike power within him. It's kind of what they're calling him when they say that he is called great. So he had this very special level of or place 
in this city, in this society. It says, from the least to the greatest, they called him great. But they would say there's something godlike about the power that he has. He's a wizard that has, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, again, this very strange understanding between him and the city and what he is. But then when Philip comes and teaches about Jesus Christ and starts to baptize people, Simon believes, right? And it says he continues to go with Philip. And what is he? How does he feel about going with Philip? He says he sees the things that Philip does and is, he's amazed. So he has this life of doing magic or powerful God-like things in the city. But he meets Philip, watches how Philip goes, starts walking with Philip, sees the things he does, sees the power within Philip, and he's amazed. Right? This is a great story. It's beautiful. If this was it, you'd be like, oh man, that's really special. What did the kingdom of heaven did for this sorcerer or whatever he is? <laughs> really, some of them call him sorcerer. I'm not even making that one up to be silly. I, I don't, this magic, I don't know, I'm calling him a magic man. I mean, I don't know what to call him. He's just Simon, I guess. But then, it says this, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had been baptized, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. Those three verses, we are going to come back to. I'm not skipping them because they're not important. I'm not skipping them because I don't want to talk about them. We're just going to later because that's going to happen like four more times really soon. Okay, So we are going to get to that. It is interesting and it's beautiful and we need to talk about it as a church. Just we're going to wait because it's going to happen later. But know that I think that's important and that we all should. And we all shouldn't skip it because it's hard or it's against your tradition you grew up in. Okay. Them saying they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, I should give them the Holy Spirit, so they lay their hands on them and give them the Holy Spirit through the apostles is important for us to look at and to know just in a little bit. Okay, does that work? Fair enough? Awesome. So they're doing that, and then when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through laying of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands on might receive the Holy Spirit. How do we think this went over? Probably poorly. (laughs) Probably poorly. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. That, ah, we're getting to that sentence. The intent of your heart might be forgiven. It's beautiful. Pray that the intent of your heart might be forgiven. Let's say here I'm lost. Um, Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours. Repent that the the intent of your heart be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. And Simon answered, Please pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Yes. You might have heard of Ananias and Sapphira. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Please pray for me that none of what you say may happen to me. 
And now when they had testified and spoken the word of God, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Oh my goodness, this is so interesting. So we have this magician that's doing these things, believes in, in the Christ, right? Believes um, and is baptized, is amazed by the thing someone does. So then Peter and John come to town, begin giving them the Holy Spirit. And other people start doing amazing things, more than likely, or there's obviously some show of power in that. Something visibly or viscerally is happening when that, when that does it. It's not like a religious duty or act or ceremony, right? No one's just praying for people, hey, you have the Holy Spirit, and then they go to the back of the line, and the next person comes. It's, it's something happens to where when Simon sees it, he wants that power. It's something amazing and powerful or scary or beautiful, something to where he wants it. And so all he knows is to say, I want that power. I like having power. I like being called great. I like this godlike place that I had in the city. Can you give me that also? I'll pay you. I have silver to offer you. Let me pay you so that I can also have this power because I want to lay my hands on people and have them, you know, act this way or react this way or whatever it is. What's your response to that? I just want to ask that. Does that sound dirty to you? Does it sound okay? I feel like initially you want to like scoff at him, but then you're like, oh, that's me. <laughs> In what way? In what way do we do that? Because I want to I translate that for us too. I'm with you. Well, it's, I mean, he already was doing something with like some sort of power. And so this is like another sort of power, but with his new beliefs. So it seems like this is just what I was doing before. Exactly. That's, that's with my new beliefs. Yes. It's like a new trick. Yes. It is. I can't do that, but I want to do that. Right. And what's beautiful about what both of you just said is I think the heart of the matter. I really do. I feel like it's like it's just like this passage that Jesus talks about when he says you can't put old or new wine in old wineskins. That is what is happening to Simon the magician. Basically, he's taking his old way of thinking, his old way of living, his old way of of culture, his old way of belief, and he's just putting it into a Christian frame. Or he's putting it into this Jesus-following cup. That is what he did. He said, you know, I I love being special. I love being the one in power. I liked having everyone look to me as great. Maybe he helped people with it. I like to help people. I want to do this. My current culture, my current state, my current way of thinking, or my past way, says you can purchase that. It's for sale. I can get that power through some sort of means like that. And so he offers. And we are, are so similar to that. We will put our own family doctrine into what a we of the church should be. We do it all the time. Some of our parents have told us, which again, they are well-meaning and wonderful and lovely parents, that they would say, first, take care of yourself, right? Then, love your wife. You know, if your husband isn't treating you just so, you know, you should do this to remind them that, you know, there's all kinds of things we were taught about marriage, by watching our parents. There's all kinds of things we were taught about church by watching our parents, either their activity in the church or not within it. 
There's all kinds of things that our culture has taught us about what is ours and what is ours, right? I mean, just the fact of saying we give to a church monthly is probably very weird to most of the world. And they would probably say that the church is doing something terrible with it, right? I mean, there's so many things that we take our, our new wine and we just put it in an old wineskin and it bursts at the seams and we wonder why it's not working. It's because we need a whole new cup. We, we need newness to the depths of ourself. Simon needed not only to just have a different name to um, attribute to his actions, he needed new everything. He needed new motives He needed new intentions, right? I will pray for your intentions, which is beautiful. And that gets to the heart of us. We take our old intentions and we put them into this group of people. And we want to be somewhere. I I hear this all the time. And if you've said this to me, I'm not knocking you necessarily for saying it. I'm not. I'm just saying, really, this is one of the height of them. It's, it's this idea of, and I've had people tell us this, oh, I go to Church of East because I'm really fed there. And I'm like, I am glad of that. I'm not unhappy about that. But that, it's not in here, in the church. They are going to a group of people to feed everyone else. That is what people are trying to do here. They are are going so that everyone can have parts of them and they can contribute to the whole in a way that's beautiful. Whether they're the pinky or the nose or the mouthpiece or the ears or the feet of it, whatever it may be, they want to go and contribute. And we hear all the time, oh, I'm just not getting fed there. I'm going to go be with another group of people and call that people family because they feed me or whatever. And that's that's old wine and new wineskins. And that's just an example. I'm not harping on that. It's not like nine of y'all said it this week or anything. It's not like that. But that's an easy example for us. An easy one. Another example that we see all the time is just you know, saying, yeah, we should forgive each other until someone wrongs you. And then, oh, that person, how could they? They should apologize immediately. They should know, and they should apologize more than once because I'm not going to accept the first one because it shouldn't be that easy for me to be made right with him again, right? So it has to happen 48 times over the course of a year, and then I'm still going to bring it up at Restore Group four years later. <laughs> that I was so nice to forgive them, right? Old wine and new wine skins. The intentions of our heart must be made clean. This really is so close to us that you're describing. This is... This is so much of how we live, we still want to invest each other in each other safely, as long as it doesn't hurt us. We have that conversation all the time about giving, about generosity, about the way we deal with our money. We do. We're struggling through it. We had it Friday. We talked about it a little more, even, and we're like, ah, oh. We've been married seven years, and are hoping to lead in generosity and lead in the way we love. And we still have to go back to like, oh, I confess to you and you confess to me that we still just, 
really want to take care of our boys more than anyone else's boys. It's like, ah, is that the way? I need to repent of my intentions. And it just, it's hard. Because for however long we lived in this pseudo-kingdom of heaven, this Christian bubble, this subculture we've lived in, that has many good things about it. Strong moral compass, I'm sure, for a lot of us. I'm sure so many of you are so good. We're, we're asking the Spirit of God to move our church as a we. We're asking for the kingdom of heaven to be at hand in the midst of us. Sin management and being better than most is very different than that. And that's what we're after. And that's, what's, that's what's hard for Simon to understand. And so, yeah, we probably shouldn't scoff at that. We should probably learn from that. I mean, yeah, none of you have offered to, like, pay me to, you know, whatever else. That'd be weird and interesting. I don't know how I'd respond to that. Like, I probably wouldn't say, may your silver die with you. I probably wouldn't do that. I would hope that I don't. I hope that I don't do that. But, but it's, you know what I mean? But, so the, the language is strange for us because we don't believe in indulgences in this part of the world anymore. But it's similar, right? So he goes on. Peter says to him, may your silver perish with you, because you thought you could have obtained the gift of God with your money. You thought you could obtain the gift of God with your righteousness that is of filthy rags to me. You thought you could obtain the gift of God from, like, politeness. You thought you could obtain the gift of God, fill in the blank there, but you have neither part in this lot or this matter. For your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of your and pray, pray to the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven. For I see that in you is the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. That bond of iniquity is talking about the roots of iniquity. It's like a bond that comes from being rooted in something. And so it's like saying your roots are set deep in iniquity. <coughs> Sounds like what he could tell me so often. Your roots are set deep in selfishness. Your, your humility mask you're wearing is selfishness. You just want people to know you're humble. That, that mask you put on of being overly kind is rooted in the fact that you are secretly not. Right? It's this idea. This idea of, of <laughs> Peter's telling him your sin is way deep. It's deep down. It's, it's got to be uprooted in the, the most aggressive of ways, Simon. Maybe, maybe God will, uh, God will forgive your intent. So what I want us to do is think about our intent. Some of you think about your marriages and your intent when you ask your wife or your husband to forgive you. What's the real intent there? What is, what is your intent as you are working around people every day who need the kingdom of heaven through you and that you need the kingdom of heaven through them? What is your intent there? In this body, in this family, the things we do for each other, the things we do together, the decisions we make together, what is your intent with that? What's the deepest down part of you want. And if the deepest down part of us wants something 
a bit ugly or a bit un, unsavory to the kingdom of heaven that's at hand, we, we have to pull it out. To address it right away. Peter says, and, and Simon, is, is great the thing that's beautiful about it? He says, then please pray for me so none of this happens. I don't want this rooted down deep. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to die, also. But I also don't want the bonds of iniquity to be within me. Please pray for me so that that may happen. And today, we really pray with each other. And we say, please, pray for me. So that the, the deepest down of, of things that are against the kingdom of heaven don't stay rooted here. I personally, I'm honestly, really personally saying, please pray for me. That the bonds and the roots of iniquity in Austin Evers' self that are masked as, you know, quaint, or, oh, he's just being whatever. Or righteous sometimes. They would be removed. Through conversations with you. Through watching you live. Through meeting with the presence of the Holy Spirit, of God, really. And having God show me the things in me that need to change. And so what I want to, to really have us do is today when we take communion and we sing, to know that we are... And we were praying this earlier, that the Spirit of God goes with us. It is always about us, around us, with us. You're in the presence of God singing in a moment, taking communion, saying, God, I am with you. I want to be one with you. I'm taking this bread. I'm taking your body, dipping it into this cup, saying, yes, I will have that. As we do that, saying, please identify, show me myself. Show me what must change deep, deep down. Show me the things I'm bringing into this family, this body, that don't belong in the kingdom of heaven that's at hand. That we are corrupting the family. And say, please, take that out of me. I don't want to do that. So let's, let's pray that, and we're going to enter a time of communion. Lord, we... We know that Simon is not alone in having roots of sin deep into his life. From his upbringing, from his way, from his, I don't know, his way of making money, his popularity, his whatever, that roots have grown in him that need to be just taken out. They don't belong. We're the same. We talk to our families. We talk to our friends. We are a part of an us church. We are bringing, though, to the table the same mindset of still living the way we've always lived and just calling it something different. Or, or living the way we've always lived and just hiding it for a moment on Sunday or at Restore Group or when we have beers at Dudes and Brews or whatever else. Or we know the things to say. We know enough spiritual jargon to just mask all of that that's gross within us. 
So we pray that we would take the blinders off, that we would attempt to truly have communion with you so that you may show us what those things are. So we would truly seek your presence together as an us so that you can reveal in us what we must repent of. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.